a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding Reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, Amy Belair, our returning champion, comes back to hang out and talk to us about all of the cool things she's got going on right now. Uh, We didn't even get to her book in this conversation because of all of the cool things, but her new book, The Priestess Transmissions, will be located down in the show notes, guys, so make sure that you check that out. Very proud of you, Amy. Congratulations. It's amazing. Uh, This conversation, though, guys, we got on all the coolest rabbit holes. Uh, I honestly don't even know how to sum it up. We talk CERN, we talk about alternate dimensions, how to view our life uh, through the eyes of our perspective, but also a higher dimensional perspective, which will hopefully give everybody with these energies right now just uh, something to contemplate on rather than impending doom. Uh, So that's good news. But it's, it's fantastic. Like, of course, Amy, you guys know her unbelievable. Again, all the ways to find her and her new book, which we're very, very proud of you, Amy, uh, are going to be located down in the show notes. Also located down there, guys, are the resource links that we affiliate through. Make sure that you check those out. There's some amazing ones down there. Food Forest, of course, Opus. Uh, the rest of the gang is hanging out, so check those out. Uh, down there as well, really want to point your attention to expandingrealitypodcast.com. Get on over there, become an expansive insider member so that you have access to all of the cool stuff. I mean, that's where it's all happening at. So don't miss out on it. That being said, guys, let's get to this incredible conversation with the amazing Amy Belair. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the most extremely special episode right here for you all. We have Amy Belair returning. Amy, how are you? I'm so happy to be with you again, Brandon. So happy. Dude, so excited. You have just been crushing it. And so we have a lot to catch up on here. Your book, your light language, you have a lot of new cool things to talk about. So where would you like to begin? Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) There is a lot to catch up on. Well, so I guess I'll just go, I'll go like, right, you know, balls in like super deep right away. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with what I was telling you before we pressed play that I um, recently. So, so, okay. Light language activations. Let's start there. So I don't know, like a month and a half ago or something in the middle of the night, I woke up and was like, I was just on a spaceship. Actually, I woke up and I was like, I'm in a meditation room in a telepathic practice with a bunch of people right now. It was really weird. So it it wasn't astral projection. It feels like bilocation. Like part of me was in this space with a bunch of other, like way more advanced people than I was. (laughs) I was totally the green noob in the room. And we were sitting together in meditation and we were co-creating a telepathic field together. And then I was like, I was just on a ship right before that 
And I suddenly remembered that there was this alien woman and she had her hands on my face like this and was um, looking at me and transmitting some information to me telepathically. I remember exactly what she looked like. She kind of had like iridescent, mauvish gray skin and these like big, beautiful eyes that looked kind of like there's these creatures on um, Star Wars, like Clone Wars or... Uh, rebels they have eyes that look like galaxies um so she kind of looked a little bit like that and anyway she was telling me that i needed to start speaking light language to people and make really intense eye contact and that the purpose of it is because the amnesia veil has lifted and where we we have access to our memories again but like i need to speak light language that unlocks or allows people to access those memories like we're supposed to be remembering who we are and what we're here to do and not really grasping in the dark anymore. Um, so that happened. That's amazing. And that was a really cool experience. And since then, I've had so many things come through. One of them being that I can remember being one of the one of the founding members of this realm, one of the creators of this realm, one of the creators of um, humans as a, as a vessel for incarnation. And so th this is a lot like, just so you know, in the background of my very normal life, it's like, I'm constantly wrestling with these concepts and being like, how do I integrate this into my like human self and hold these memories? And like, I keep checking in, like, am I insane? Am I having delusions? What's going on? And yet the touchstone that I come back to is like, well, my life is totally in order. My relationships are in order. Like I, I don't feel ungrounded. I don't feel like I'm not exhibiting, um, you know, the, the byproducts of psychosis where you kind of like lose your grip on reality and it starts manifesting in your real life. So I'm, I'm quite certain that I'm sane, but these are like big things that are coming in. And I have a feeling, I also, a lot of people have been reaching out to me and they've just randomly started speaking light language. And PS, like a year ago, I kind of thought light language was bullshit. <laughs> that people were just like mumbling. Like speaking in like, tongues. Oh, it's yeah. Pleiadian language. <laughs> um, until I had that experience in the middle of the night. And now I'm like, oh no, yeah, it's real. And I can feel it too. So like sometimes if I try to speak it and I, it's just me speaking mumble, I like, it's so obvious. Whereas like when it suddenly is a message that comes through and I have to speak it, like I kind of go into this weird trance. So I think a lot of people are having experiences right now of remembering things and yeah, accessing accessing things that we previously wrote off as being bullshit sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm right there. It's, it's amazing uh, what we're talking about here. Cause I'm at this journey uh, point in my journey as well. Now i uh, curious just back to your um, encounter there uh, bipedal alien. So the woman, even with the galaxy eyes, she had like two uh, head, two arms, two legs, torso, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's very interesting. And so did all of the other entities that were meditating with you. Though they all looked human, those entities all looked human. They all looked Asian. 
bizarrely, it was like, it felt like a Zen meditation room. And I was like the total noob that was arriving late. And they're like, shh, like <laughs> your brain waves are disrupting our like Zen telepathic field that we've created together. And I came in and sat with them and then linked into that field. And I was like, oh yeah, I have to like, I need more decorum. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what's weird, though, is uh, a lot of people who have contact uh, experiences report the uh, entities, whatever they are, is looking very Asian, like they could pass as Asians on the streets is one of the most common, one of the very common things that contactees refer to. So even uh, your observation of this as well is very interesting, Amy. Um, what what like how did you feel when you returned from that when from that experience? Were you just like you know, okay, well, this is just another thing that I'm doing now. And it just guided you in the right direction. Or was there any kind of resistance from your subconscious? No, I, I stayed awake for about three hours. Like I could not possibly have slept. So it was around three in the morning that I woke up. It wasn't like three thirty-three or anything like that. It was just like three twelve or something. And then I woke up and then like, I could not fall asleep again until about six 30. Uh, like, I was just like processing, processing, processing all of this and being like, I need to talk to Brandon. I need to talk to Christopher, <laughs> like, like all these people and um, feeling very like I knew that I was still bilocated somewhere else by the amount of information that was coming through. I just remember how intense it was and that I had to <clears throat> continually remind myself, like, don't close off around it, like just like stay open and let this much information come through. And then the next day I was like, you just need to trust it and you just need to do it. So before any resistance could really come in, I just like hopped on, I think in soul space and did a live and was like, well, I guess I'm speaking light language now. Yep. <laughs> and then, cause I knew that if I didn't do it right away, the resistance would all come in and I would tell myself that it was just made up bullshit crazy, you know? So that I had to go with it. That is what's so so. That is what's so interesting about this. I, I did see your live on um, Soul Space there, and I thought it was fascinating. I was just like, "Oh my god!" So I, I believe we that we wrote each other immediately. I was just like, "Ah," and you were like, "Ah, oh, no." Uh, it's it's just it's very cool and very exciting, you know. But this is this is why I asked the question is because it seems like we get these you know inspirations or things all the time. I mean, I do for sure. I'll pursue them, you know. Sometimes immediately, bupkis comes out. Nothing comes out of it, so it kind of skews your, I guess, faith in the process or. Uh, the altruism of the of the message, you know, and so it's it's kind of interesting. And this is why I asked because beforehand, and you you said it yourself that uh, light language before you thought was just hooey, but you had been approached with the idea then by the introduction of it, and it was still hooey. But this time that you came to it, do you think that it was just because of your evolution, like that you, of course, are growing, we're all growing and ascending all the time, you at ridiculously amazing rates? Do you think that now is just because you're able to receive that information in a way that it's necessary, and that's why before you thought it was hooey, and now you're able to integrate it and utilize it? I mean, I definitely think that's part of it. Like, there are things for sure that I'm like, I just couldn't have, I couldn't have received it last year because I had too many kind of ego defense blocks up. I, I basically what I think is that we are all, I've said this before, but I really believe that we're all psychic and the information is literally surrounding us at all times. I believe there are interdimensional beings around us and we just, um, our nervous system filters it out. And so as we expand our consciousness, which I think is an amazing service that you have a podcast expanding reality, because as we expand that 
we can receive more, but it's not like it wasn't available a year ago. It's just, I wasn't available for it a year ago. So I think that's, that's like probably 90% of it. And then I think 10% of it is that collectively too, we've just shifted. I feel like the um, April, May, June was like this huge quantum leap for um, the collective consciousness, like enough of us are awakened, whatever that means for any individual person, but like truly awakened um, that we now more and more information can come through in a much more effortless way because it's like the pump got primed. You know what I mean? So now the, now the information is just flowing. It's so interesting that you put it this way, because yes, even new revelations, old information that you revisit later, a book that you you know read five years ago, you read it again, you're like, oh my God, I just understand it now. I didn't, I didn't get it before. And so, yeah, and this is, this is part of this process for all of us. And I agree with you that it seems collectively, there are so many people that are waking up. And I know we talked about this a little bit ago when I had John, but even since then, it's been insane. I mean, the amount of people that are just questioning everything. And at the same time, it seems like the more light and love, you know, and all of that are just awareness that comes about. Uh, the lizard turds seem to be ramping it up in the opposite direction pretty intensely. And, you know, it feels like this direct correspondence. So the higher we go vibrationally, the lower the vibe goes with those entities. And it does seem to be this incredibly strong and palpable split that's occurring. I mean, I know we felt divided, but now it feels like more divided than ever. And it seems like there's you know, paths that we all choose to take here that lead us in the right direction. So we thought, and then something shifted with Gaia or the energy or something, and then it just shoots you off in a completely other direction. I've got, you know, uh, realtors, um, bankers, people reaching out uh, that listen to the show. And I'm just like, hang on, you listen to this show and your Instagram looks like that. You know, it's just, it's very interesting that the, it doesn't seem to match the type, right? But that's the thing right yeah. now. All the gloves are off. All, all the rules are over. So, um, you know, with with this transition, with this huge split like this, do you find that we're going to see more things that come about like this, like more people being introduced to light language that um, maybe even never heard of it and just spontaneously start speaking it and then come up to you and they're like, hey, what's going on here? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do this thing. Do you think that that's going to occur just more and more and more people? I, yeah, I do. I do think so. I think that um, now... <sighs> Previously, like even again, last year in these conversations, I remember, uh, I think the last time I was on, we talked about NPCs and mm -hmm. even like my perception of that has evolved. Whereas last year I felt really trepidatious. Like I didn't want to um, make any claims that like there's a certain section of the population that can't access their psychic gifts or are closed off or anything like that, because I just it didn't feel good and an integrity to make that claim on behalf of other people. But I can see more of the picture now and I can see that, you know, I, there are people that I don't think will spontaneously start speaking light language or spontaneously start getting um, memories. And it's, it's simply because they have like, it feels like implants in their, um, um, it doesn't feel like it's in their physical body, but it's, I don't know, it's hard for me to zero in on it, but it almost feels like it's along their spinal cord. Like there's implants that prevent the ascension of their consciousness up their own chakra system. And so they, 
they in that sense they can't access these things but not because they're not special or anything like that but they're just they're vibrating at such a low frequency and it's because of interference measures but they're also playing into it almost like it's a positive feedback loop like the the more the lower they vibrate the lower they vibrate and it's just easy to kind of swim around in that um eddy but a lot of people that tend to be in my field, I definitely believe that they're just, well, and they write me anyway, they message me um, from listening to the podcast and, the, and they have amazing stories to tell, like just spontaneous, like memories of things, spontaneous um, experiences with aliens, ghosts, interdimensional beings. Like, so I think it's just picking up pace significantly. Yeah, I completely agree. It's so interesting. And um, so I was curious, whenever you're talking about the implant thing, uh, you know, Dr. Roger Lear, I believe his name was, uh, and that guy pulled a ton of implants out of people that were allegedly from UFO encounters or con- after post-contactee experiences. So do you, th- another another thing to that before my question is, uh, I've had many conversations on the, on the show with people that, you know, we perhaps speculated that the contact phenomena, they take your astral body and really that there's some sort of physical architecture, some light architecture to your physical body that they take rather than your physical body. And this would explain why people can fuse through walls, why people can go through doors and ceilings and all kinds of stuff, right? That their physical body isn't used to doing. Now, some folks would have relegated this to just some sort of ET technology, but perhaps what they're doing is snatching your astral body and taking that for a ride. And in that case, they're have been also cases, Kathleen Martin's a famous one, where they work on your body, astral body, and then physical changes occur when you come back and it's brought back to your physical body. And so do you think that there's some sort of, I don't know, I don't don't like to go the nefarious route, but there's some sort of hijacking to where perhaps the people that call in low vibe entities to interact with in this way, they are implanted and therefore their light body is what's prevented from ascending in this physical body, as long as it's kind of attached here. Do you think that there's anything to that? Yeah, that really resonates with me as, as you say that, I mean, I had never heard of that theory, but it totally, totally resonates and totally tracks with what I'm understanding about like our, our makeup. Um, and I, I do believe that there are there are beings that there are entities, not not like demonic entities, but like interdimensional entities that I don't think they would consider themselves evil. They but they just like they don't want us to ascend. That is not the plan that they have in mind. They from their perspective, what it looks like to me is that it's it's like they know that we we are imbued with their consciousness in a sense, but like a tiny micro, tiny little bit of their consciousness. That's what animates us. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about like there's a kind of a, a hierarchy isn't the right word, but it's kind of denotes it properly that there's like <clears throat> beings that become creators They've, they've mastered their own incarnation experiences. <clears throat> and then the next level is to like create realms, create universes, create beings, that kind of stuff. And so I believe that there are some beings that they're like, they kind of see us as like ants or something, you know, and they're, they're just not concerned. And it's like, if you, if you ever get pleasure from like flooding an anthill with your garden hose and you're kind of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you don't see it as a big deal because it's like, 
the ant feels so small that it's inconsequential and its consciousness is not, you know, you're not really killing its consciousness. You're just killing its body or screwing up its ant colony. I think that's how they see themselves. And they're like, well, we want them to stay ants because then we can do that. And it's not a big deal. If they are able to ascend and like, you know, um, realize themselves and become creator beings themselves, then like, we can't really do this stuff anymore. So it's kind of like they're losing their, their playground. So I do believe that there are some that come and they, they do put those implants in place. And I think the implants are on the, the astral body level, but they interface with our nervous system. So interesting. And you know, you know what else I think about this when we're talking about it is of course that we're like, um, just, yeah, ants in this game. We're like in between these things that are building a highway and one person comes through and destroys the ant colony and the others are like, no, 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 they're divinely protected. We have to protect these entities. And this is kind of what our experience with the divine feels like sometimes it's like part of itself wants us to survive, thrive, ascend and grow. And then part of itself is designed to be here to do the complete opposite of that. And it's just like, we're, I don't know, just in this like chess game, but we're just the pieces with nerve endings that get moved around and it's inconsequential. If it falls on the ground during the game, it's part of the game, but that chess piece hurts, you know? And it's like um, what we talk about, about how everything has consciousness. And I think with this idea, we're starting to feel like the anthill. We're starting to feel like the ants, like we're doing our own thing. We've got our own set of uh, circumstances, the way that we adapt our environment to survive, all of these things, our own goals and desires. You know, we want the tunnel to go that way, not that way. And then something else that's way more powerful, that's omnipotent from the ant's perspective comes in and just destroys the whole thing. But, you know, with this, then then the question I, I've got based on that would be, um, seeming that we do seem to be in this game, are there any real winners to this thing? Hmm. Hmm. Let me just tune into that for a second. That's a really good question. I mean, okay, so I'll just explain what I understand right now with the caveat that, you know, my understanding continues to grow and evolve all the time. So this is not a static declaration. Like I'm not planting my flag. Like this is the absolute way it is. It's just how I understand it. But when I connect in with those beings, like when I said like, oh, I remember being a founding member. I remember being a creator being. What it feels like is that there was this group, I think that they were mantis beings, that I I feel like the, the mantis beings are connected, the mantis, the avians, and the moth beings, which I didn't know about moth beings before. I just kind of like happened upon them a few weeks ago, are all connected to the angelic realm. Like they're very close. They're not the same as angelics, but they're very, very close, very high dimensional consciousness. And they are creators of like universes, galaxies, and they that's the level they want to create at they're not so interested in incarnation at this level or anything and so they create these these galaxies these universes and then there are these other beings that are a little bit um like lower that's not really the right word but you know what i mean like not as high dimensional yeah not as powerful maybe or not at the galaxy creating level. Like everybody's yes, got a boss, right? That's right. They're yeah. not at the galaxy creating level. They're at the, oh, I found a planet. Oh, like a planet just 
And I say this and I don't even believe in the cosmology that, you know, NASA has presented, but these are the words we have to use. So they, they find a realm, a planet, and they're like, oh, there's so much potential here. And like they're creators, like they can just touch the, the soil of the realm and like grow this and like, you know, just command a mountain range to lift and like sculpt the terraform, I think is how, you know, people refer to it. And then, and then what I remember about this realm, what happened is like, you know, a group of beings did all that. They, they kind of set things in motion and then they knew kind of like when you plant a seed in the garden, like, well, you just have to leave it alone for a while and let it do its thing and then come back. Then you kind of like, you know, like maybe prune it or whatever you need to do. Right. So they left it alone and then they came back and they were like, Oh, look at these really interesting, like Neanderthals or Australopithecus or, you know, whatever, like kind of primitive ish beings that grew here. And that this is the part that I remember is being like, Oh, with a little modification, these can be perfect avatars for us to come incarnate into just for the joy of incarnating, not for the purposes of like evolving per se. Um, Cause it feels like at that point we were already like, we had already mastered incarnation, had mastered karma. We were out of that loop. It was more like, we just wanted to come into a playground. And so we modified their genetics with our genetics to make them a suitable host or a suitable avatar. And that we, so the human really, the human form really has a consciousness of its own. And then it has the soul consciousness. And those two, sometimes they go like, they harmonize really beautifully. And we have like fairly smooth incarnation experiences. And sometimes the, the human and the soul, like they don't harmonize well. And those people can feel like they're always at odds with each other, with themselves. So, so anyway, so we created these beings and we sent tiny, tiny parts of our consciousness into them to incarnate. And so we were at once like the person with the garden hose, like fucking up the ant hill and also the ants. And we kind of knew like, it's all us. So like, who cares? Um, and then we got to a point where there was like a division in the perception. So one, one group, I call them a faction and I associate them with like the being that we know of as Enlil. Um, like they just wanted, they just wanted to flood the anthill. Like that's, the, that's, that's where they get their kicks. And they're like, it's of no great consequence whatever it like we are the ones that are animating these beings so it's like you know fine, it's fine and they also really kind of wanted to like um experiment and it i don't know it would be like cloning yourself and then you know being like the boss to your clones being like do my laundry do my whatever right like do my bidding because you came from me so i get to tell you what to do um and then there was a group that I associate with the being um, Enki that was like, yeah, but like, 
what would happen if we just kind of like stop messing with them and we like give them this little secret, we give them that little secret. And like, we try to get our garden to grow. Like we want to see like what the evolution potential is, what the ascension potential is. And we um, kind of, I feel like I belong to that group, but ultimately we were all the same group. And so I feel like I probably flooded the anthill for a while until I was like, mm, now I'm bored of this. Um, and I feel like what we did was we altered the genetics a little bit more to make them in our image, meaning like make humans capable of ascension and creation, like as like self-sovereign beings. Um, so the, the, the primitive like precursors to humans that we know now that I was referring to when we came back to this realm and we were like, Oh, look that perfect. We just have to make a couple mods. Um, those, they had the consciousness of animals, which is a beautiful, um, consciousness on its own and is not inferior to ours. It just, uh, you know, like, a, um, there's a cap on the ascension ability of a horse to know itself and to go into like a like sovereign creator mode. So it's like we we modified it so that humans could so that we could basically incarnate and then ascend. Like that's that's it. So there's this group that is like no, let's just use them as slaves and get them to do what we want them to do. Duh. And there's this other group that's like no, let's let them ascend and see what happens. Let's like, let's enjoy that ride. And I really think from that perspective, neither of those sides would see themselves as like evil or like malevolent or benevolent. It's just two different approaches. And those approaches are kind of the, the warring thing that we're seeing play out in our realm. Well, it, it's so interesting that you put it this way, because as you're describing it, I kind of and I've heard this before. Uh, Todd Armstrong had him on. We talked about Book of Enoch. And one of the things that he had mentioned was these different levels of creator gods and that perhaps the one that created our realm uh, is one of these in little Enki um, that just came here, modified an ancient hominid that was already here. And then they wanted them to do their bidding. And that's kind of where then, you know, we get all, all of our story from. And that's one approach to it. But the idea that there are different things that have a greater power over us suck. And especially because we kind of sit here and think, oh, we're the best thing in the world. But of course we're not. We're not the top dog of anything, really. I think that it's a very humbling process to figure out. But it, it's also interesting that whenever you describe this, it kind of reminds me of like the construction of a big hotel or something, you know? So let's say a structural engineer comes in and then they build the steel and they do all of that. And then you have somebody else that comes in that has plans also, but they do all the masonry work. And then you have other people that come in to do the plumbing and the electrical and then all the way down to like an interior designer that just goes in and makes things look pretty. Now, this one big project gets passed through many different people's hands, their motives, their intentions, their ideals. And it seems like at the end of it, you get a pretty cool looking hotel if everybody's working in conjunction. But it also seems like like people who are employed to do this, half of them want the hotel burned to the ground and half of them still want to make it look pretty and decorate with doilies and stuff. And so it's just this interesting observation that we seem to be I don't want to say stuck in the middle, but from our perspective, from the need for us to forget our existence, to have the existence, it does feel like that, you know, mm -hmm. there's no kind of greater overarching 
hey, it's all going to work out because you're all just kind of in this game, you know, kind of a thing. And I think that this is what's very interesting about your meditation room that you entered and you got a glimpse that you were kind of one of the creators of this thing. So as one of the damn creators of this, Amy, like what the hell's going on? Like, uh, are we just going to keep doing this stuff? Um, and and uh, second follow up to that question would be, you know, a lot of people want to say that the universe is expanding and that's what the ascension process is all about. And I love the idea just selfishly love the idea that we are on the winning timeline and we can't lose because, you know, the the idea goes that consciousness has a higher leaning to expand rather than contract. And so the expansion is what ascension is. That's what we love. And then the contraction is what the lizard turds want us to do or whatever and drop us back down into this really rooted thing that's no ascension whatsoever, like the furthest thing from it. And so it feels like in this process, like I said, we're just a part of this thing and we're here. You know, do you think that that's what's going on, that we really favor expansion and so therefore the dark forces are the ones that make us contract or that are attempting to yank us all back down into contraction because they're this much less powerful than this because that tends to be the leaning of the universe anyway? Like, is that our natural trajectory is just to ascend or do you think that that's even a damn psyop and really we're trying to collapse back into one another? And so, you know, it feels like like there's these two people that have a goal. One is to collapse it, one is to expand it. And they both feel like they are doing the absolute right, most altruistic thing. And then they have motives and tools in which they do that. One is to bring about this real low vibration, which contracts everything back down to the same source. And one is to expand itself out even further to further divide itself for greater expansion and experiences. Do you you think that that's the game here, that that's what's going on? I do, but I don't think that was the intention of the game. And so I don't think it's the natural setting. It's kind of like a stalemate we've been stuck in for a really long time. But I think as what we're witnessing is that the, the natural, the, what's the word I'm trying to look for? I I don't know, like the, the, the baseline natural setting, the natural drive for everything is growth and expansion. It just is. So it's easy. Like once you decondition from all your bullshit that holds you in that contraction, you can feel how liberated you are, how much more energy you have available to you because it actually took a lot of energy to maintain the contraction and that contractions like contractions are natural and they, they come and they go and they like kind of squeeze us into like a new configuration and they don't really generally feel good, but, but it's not natural for things to contract permanently. So I think what we're seeing is that um, the, the, you know, beings that are behind the contraction, the prolonged contraction are losing energy. They're losing the fuel required to maintain the contraction and the expansion is just picking up um, the pace growing in momentum. And so it's kind of like it's losing the, the stalemate is loosening up in the, in favor of the direction of expansion. But I think actually the, the crazy ridiculous irony of all of this is that it's actually, we're actually in like a, a holographic simulation. And so it's not even, yeah, from, from our perspective in here, it totally feels like we're trapped and it's not negligible that, you know, people suffer in here. It's not negligible at all. Um, but I, I believe that 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of directions to, to take all this or that it can potentially be taken. But like the, the simplistic overview is that this like the the being that is Gaia, the consciousness that is Gaia is like, fuck this, peace out. I, I'm ready to ascend. And so I I got the message back in, I think it was February that she's already ascended. Like she's done um playing in that lower density and if if anybody hears me and is like what like that that's ridiculous just consider this compare the texture of reality in the 90s to the texture of reality now way different it's way different it's like it's literally the difference between like an old photograph and like a digital photo you know like the the texture of reality now is so thin and light um, which isn't to say that there's no pain, but it's almost like it feels like a dream. Whereas in the nineties, it just felt real. We just took for granted that like, this is, I don't know, this is just reality. The, the quality of the sunlight was different. Yep. Things were just different. So I believe that Gaia has, she has ascended and we aren't even on 3d Gaia anymore. We're, um, I believe that that was a realm like that was a like the 3D bandwidth was a place like if you think about people in the late 1800s, their reality or even the 1920s, like their reality was so different from ours, just the feeling of it. What I understand is that we're all (laughs) we're all in like this holodeck and we have these like vr sets on we're in simulation and we're in the 4d right now which is like where the dream exists it's all just it's all just the narrative it's our narratives and that really the thing has already been won it's already finished the realm has been freed but we are still kind of like lingering in the the echoes of you know, the, the, the earth realm that we knew before, but that being said, I also, when I see like, where has Gaia gone? I don't believe that we're traveling to a new planet. I what it looks like to me is like, she has shifted vertically up to a different octave. And when I tune into it, um, it looks a lot like this reality but it's even lighter. So as you were talking about like light bodies and astral bodies and things like that, like I think basically we are going to leave behind the density of our bodies. We're going to become much more like light bodies. I really despise using that very new agey terminology, (laughs) but basically we're not going to have the same seemingly static physical density that we did before we're going to be much more dynamic much much more plasma-like and that's going to allow us to move up to the sort of the octave that she's at um and continue playing with her there i don't even know how i got on this tangent you asked a question but I love it. Well, you nailed you nailed it. And it's so interesting that you said this, uh, because, yeah, if we're, if we're talking about this, I mean, this is back to Dolores Cannon and stuff. And of course, you and I had uh, spoke with Joe Thomas, which was fascinating. And she touched on this. Uh, and it's also ties into something I wanted to bring you back around to with the NPCs. Now, I heard that. And this is just, of course, an idea like a wonderful one. 
But it could be that there are sort of non-player characters here, but it really that this dimension or this place that we're living on here from our perspective is a mirror of another one. And so in another universe, you and I are NPCs in that one walking around and people are going, why can't they wake up and see it? But in this one, we uh, are the non-NPCs, right? And so there's other versions of everyone in each reality where basically there's just this opposite of engagement as far as the depth of consciousness that you want to interact with. Basically, you switch, you know, your your body's necessary over there because you need to be in the background of somebody else's story. But over here is where your actual story is happening, right? Or in any sort of place. So you, you know, like I still don't dream in this place. So maybe my other life in some other place, you know, I'm an NPC here, but over there, it's like going gangbusters and everything's going like crazy. But, you, you know, this this idea of the split and this physical split, I know you and I have gone back and forth with this conceptually because we, you, you know, it, it, ten, it tends to ring bells in my mind, especially of just religion. It's just a new polish on religion and it's a new way to articulate an old idea that it feels like we've outgrown. But it feels like this is a new level for the new reading level that we're at, right? A new concept for the new um, type of awareness, but it's the same thing being repackaged. It's kind of like, you know, uh, how historical events get uh, recycled here, how templates, there seems to be these history, uh, these characters throughout history that seem to be templates for these things as well. Could modern day spirituality just be a new adaptation of old religion? You know, just like an upgraded, you know, religion 2.0, but in a way that's more, packageable for today's people, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it totally could. And but then what it brings me to is like, well, then there was probably truth to the old religion, like the certain things um, like what's it called? Um, I can't remember the word. It's missing me. But the Christian, you know, the thing that happens where everybody goes up in the sky. Oh, yeah, like rapture, ascension, rapture. rapture. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So then, so then what it makes me think is like, okay, well, there was probably that, that was, that's probably a thing that has happened or um, was prophesied to happen. I think it's both. I think it's happened multiple times, honestly. And that um, it's just that it was translated in that language, in that framework, in that context. And so it's kind of the same, like I'm doing my best to translate it, but Honestly, it doesn't fit into English words. And also, I know that I'm I'm doing my best to be the clearest channel possible, but my human context is going to warp it, kind of. Like, you know, despite my best efforts to not warp it, it's just I have a context. So it has to get filtered through my context, and my context is going to distort it. Um, so I think that's what happens is, like, ultimately these things are talking about the same the same event, but it's everybody's just struggling to articulate it. Yeah. And especially with the things we see from our ancient past that are left over here from the last one, like the same yeah. sort of like stone building, like the monoliths and megaliths and stuff like this. And, you know, I've been looking into this, you know, plasma apocalypse, which I know we've talked about, which I absolutely love. <laughs> and also this idea of like liquefaction, which is something that occurs, you know, or has it occurs during earthquakes and these huge cataclysms that occur. Sometimes this will happen and they can demonstrate this with just shaking a table with a couple of model homes on it, you know, tiny little houses on on a bunch of sand and in a um, plexiglass container 
And basically they just shake the piss out of it like a just crazy violent earthquake and then everything sinks. You know, the ground basically turns to liquid. That's what's called liquefaction. This now rings bells of, in my mind, of like oopahs and things like this, like that old ass hammer, you know, or that hammer that was found. It's a modern day hammer as far as like the 1800s ago. And it had like, you know, an iron top to it, a wooden handle, and it was found in 400 million year old coal. So in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, well, there's two possibilities, right? Uh, number one, time travelers. Okay, obviously. They they came back in time. They were using the hammer. They looked around. They're like, ah, we got to get back on the ship, but I lost my hammer. And then 400 millions of worth of years worth of coal, you know, plows over that thing. And then somebody in Texas finds it later. Or that maybe, you know, I've, I've kind of uh, been really playing with the idea that this realm or this place, we get a certain amount of time to kind of figure our shit out here. And then, you know, things switch, like the ascension process or like um, the vibration of this place tunes up, like Gaia moved up an octave. And it seems like that maybe uh, we get a certain amount of time here and then our time's over and then it's over, right? Like speed dating, like I've referred to it as that. But it seems like in this time, like, if, if that's the case, if there was an old-ass civilization that was here and you know, 400 million years ago and someone just dropped a hammer in the coal and maybe it went down a couple levels with liquefaction but not that deep, then 400 million years worth of time went by where there was another bipedal humanoid on this planet that used things like hammers and they used like the same tools and stuff. They had the same way of affixing one material to another with a nail and they needed a hammer to hammer that in. This is like a 400 million year old version of humanity. So this is what's interesting too, is it seems like these ideas here, if this is the case, and I know this is convoluted, but if it is the case that basically we just get repeats here, and perhaps this is marked by cataclysms like uh, like procession of the equinox or something like that, where just a cataclysm comes through, wipes this place clean, and then some new mantis being gets its turn with Gaia and says, hey, I'm going to actually create this with you know, mantis people. Oh, that didn't work out. That was a horrible failure. Wipe it clean, you know, the flood and everything, and then come back. Um, and then one of the other interesting things to this idea exactly is, is because of the things like giant skeletons and because of like devil's tower, you know, and these massive trees where they're finding these things that, you know, science can't explain, which that's fine. We don't need science to explain it. I think that the, the real story is probably way cooler than something they could come up with based on their current understandings of the universe. But it, it feels like that this is what's going on and it's just kind of this game that happens and then everything gets wiped clean and then we come back. Do you have any memories of sort of anything like that happening of like another life where then you were with Guy at a certain frequency and then everything just collapsed and you all sunk into the ground and died and then uh, now you remember that life coming back into this one and so therefore there's like this plane or this realm here that just gets recycled or do you feel like it's a death and creation of a new realm every time? No, it doesn't feel like the death and creation of a new realm. It feels like the, the death and recreation of um, like humanity and civilization. Mm -hmm. And I, I have very faint memories of, for example, the, okay, the best description that I could give when I was trying to, I would like box people <laughs> when I was trying to work all this out, I just need to talk to them, um, was that Sometimes those of us that I think of as being in the Enlil camp. Now, I don't know if Enlil was an actual being. It doesn't matter. But like, or not Enlil, en Enki, the one that wanted, you know, growth and expansion. Sometimes we would like get a little too ahead of ourselves. And we would bring wisdom or like knowledge, tools, things to the people 
on earth before they were prepared to receive it. And it had disastrous consequences at times. So what I remember, and I'm in, like, I have the best job ever, because then I get to be in conversations with other people that remember this shit, and we get to, like, build on our memories. So, like, in, in various readings that I've done, this is certainly not the majority of people, but there are some people that I was like, this is the part of Earth that you landed on the first time when you came to Earth, but you were not a human, like you were a star being. So what I recall is that we would come and we were like, you know, the star people or the shining ones or whatever. And we would um, come and give them teachings and they thought we were gods, but we really weren't. We were just other beings. And the hilarious thing is that they were kind of us too. Um, so it's like, I, so my children, Kieran and William, Kieran's my daughter and she just turned four and William is going to turn one in a week. And I cannot give them knives, you know, not because they're not worthy, not because they're incapable of someday using a knife properly, but because at the stage of development that they are right now, they would not understand how to use the knife. They wouldn't understand the difference between like constructive uses and destructive uses. If I gave William a knife, he would probably kill or seriously maim himself, you know? Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not like worthy of having the knife. It's just a matter of timing. So I feel like what happened was we would often give them things in our enthusiasm that they were not prepared for. And then we would be like, Oh my God, what did we do? This is terrible. And, you know, and it doesn't mean that every single person would like run around, like if we take the knife analogy, just like stabbing everyone. It's, it's just like in certain people would, you know, and, and it would just cause too many problems for everyone. And so kind of the easiest thing to do would be to just reset it because from that level, it really feels inconsequential it feels like well okay those avatars die but then they're just new avatars and it's all our consciousness anyway so what's the big deal um and but from our perspective we feel like the ants and we're like the fuck man like we just built this anthill do you know how much time that took you jerk yeah. <laughs> you know like we feel totally persecuted so sometimes it was necessary on the part of the those that we would probably perceive as benevolent and wasn't always coming from the evil ones that or the ones we perceive as evil that want to suppress us sometimes it was just like we screwed up yeah. <laughs> we have to fix this um but other times it honestly it feels like the ones who are that we would like call the lizard turds they they don't give humans that kind of stuff anyway. They're much happier sort of um, being in their bloodlines and incarnating as the elite and just having a lot of money and having a lot of power and lording it over other humans um, here. But they really do not have a desire to, they don't really have a desire to reset things um, because they, they've got a good thing going. So so we think the resets are are bad and they're being done to us in the sense they are but it's it's kind of because like we got the star beings got a little bit too enthusiastic and then also 
We were talking before we pressed record, but I was telling you about Jason Brashears of Archaics and how he's like um, the dopest researcher I've ever come across. So much information. That's a rabbit hole to go down. If anything I'm saying resonates with you, because all of these things occurred to me before I only, I only started listening to Jason about a week ago and I'm listening and I'm like, like so mind blown at the, um, first of all, he's got pieces of the puzzle that he's filling in for me that I didn't have before, but, but most of it is like, I can't get over how validated all of this is by his research. Um, and he has noticed a mathematical, um regularity in in the simulation where every 138 years there is some kind of reset and he believes that it's a benevolent reset and it's been built in also to kind of like level out the archons it's kind of like you know i mean i don't want to put words in his mouth because his, his information is so dense i don't want to misrepresent it but that's what i understand from it is that he refers to it as the Phoenix event and it comes when every 138 years and it's not necessarily always a global event. Sometimes it's very localized, but also sometimes it's a global event. And then there's this big um, regeneration, but he, he's like the archons know about it or the elite or whatever. And they just have like these elaborate underground worlds and they just go underground and so i feel like what's happening here so he predicts that the next one is going to be in 18 years and this is a mathematical prediction that he can support with other you know historical things that he's researched um so he he says that the the elites know that it's coming and this kind of makes a lot of sense to have perceived everything over the last two and a half years um once covid hit was like i was like they're scrambling they're like they they are on a timeline and you know they have to make certain moves by a certain time because this thing that's coming is bigger than them and they cannot stop it so they have to kind of like stack the odds in their favor as much as possible. And I also think that they, they have a desire to like take as many, as many consciousnesses, as many souls, like, and hold them down here with them as possible, but like not, they don't want everyone. They want a certain controllable percentage. And they're like, we're locking you in. You're staying with us. This is again, you know, reminiscent. It's so many awesome things we're talking about here. Um, this is again reminiscent of sort of the Dolores Cannon idea, like what Joe Thomas was talking about, that there's a place to go uh, or you can get stuck here if you don't do the work. And so maybe by doing the work, you just prove to prove to these archons that you're not a valuable commodity for them and the fact that you won't be in that low vibration. So therefore, like you're good. You know, but it's also interesting that this thing comes down and seems to only, it, it seems kind of, I mean, you would think something like a reset, like this would be foolproof, kind of like the Great Flood and all of that. But it seems to be like the, that they figured out a loophole that they can just dig far enough underground and make enough dumbs or deep underground military bases or whatever and then survive this thing. You know, and the Hopi say that the ant people brought them underground to survive one of these great cataclysms because they've marked, I think we're going through a fifth right now, something like that, as according to the Hopi. And so this underground safety or this passage seems to be something that's prevalent 
in my mind, though, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, well, why don't we just like shut the door on all the archons? We go underground and then it wipes the slate clean of all them on top. And then, you know, we get to emerge as this awesome society, right? Because one of the ideas of this is, is yes, they all went underground um, or the select few people went underground. And then when they reemerged, all of the cool shit that we love, like about Tataria and free energy and like all this advanced society and stuff like that, that's what got wiped away. And so it's almost like amoral at that point, you know, because it doesn't matter what's going on on the surface. Either way, there's going to be this clean sweep that comes through, wipes everything away, and then whoever survives it gets to kind of dominate until the next one. And so it feels like the shitty turds here or the parts of ourselves that we'd you know, rather not identify with, then those are the things that have figured out how to kind of take the most advantage of this. And it wipes the most good amount clean or the mo- highest states of consciousness. Let's just put it that way. And then their lizard turd consciousness is what comes out and then you know, prevails. And that's where we get like, you know, the early 1900s. And this is where we get, um, you know, the medical, the way we have it, the education system, the way everything's going on is because they went underground, survived some cataclysm, came back out and said, finally, all the turds are gone that wouldn't let us play in the sandbox the way we want to. Mm-hmm. And now we get to kind of take this place over. And even to what you said about Enlil and Enki, and this story is very interesting, uh, you know, about these uh, Anunnaki gods that came here. Again, they have different diametrically opposed ideas. One thought that we should get all of the cool things and one thought that we shouldn't, even though they're equally as powerful and they kind of come from the same place, if you will. Um, Same thing with Prometheus, you know, that story of giving fire uh, to humanity and he was cast out. So uh, the gods were pretty twisted about that. Same thing with the tree of uh, knowledge, you know, of good and evil. Uh, These are are things that the gods, uh, you know, uh, uppercase or lowercase, don't want us to have access to. But it seems like some parts of us do. And what this was reminding me of when you were talking about it was kind of like a you know, your mom and dad, like, you know, which one you can run to, to get away with shit, you know, which one you run to or run away from. And your mom threatens you with whenever you just wait till your dad gets home and you're just like, oh shit, you know, cause you can usually get away with stuff with one and not the other. This is what it feels like. It seems like this dual dualistic nature of everything, even this masculine feminine, and it doesn't have to be male, female, just this masculine feminine energy. You know, one wants to be very nurturing and the other wants just survival and just to have you survive. And they seem to be at odds with each other. It's in my mind, it seems like this place, whatever this experiment is, if it can get its shit together enough to kind of come together on those and balance the two halves, we don't have to go through these cycles of extremes. And that seems to be like what we flip flop between the two of is just this huge extreme, you know, masculine dominant, whatever uh, lizard turd type of an energy. And then it flips and then it it's this awesome utopia kind of a thing. Perhaps we I don't know. We haven't seen that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And then, you know, back and forth. And it seems like, so this is the question. Do you think that it will ever find that balance and harmony? Because it seems like what we're after, right? If, if we're all being honest with ourselves, it'd be fine. You know, and this is what modern day spirituality is telling us with shadow work and all of that. You don't want to 86 the ego. You want to integrate the ego. It's a very necessary part of you. So just by embracing these type of concepts, like don't shun this to better that. You, you kind of integrate the two. Do you think that that's what we're here to do? Or do you think that it's such in a learning way, like that we're just spiral, right? So it's shitty for 138 years and great for 138 years, but that's a necessary part of our learning. Or do you think it's just kind of so that we can figure out how to integrate both and balance everything out so that we don't have these diametrically opposed time periods? Yeah, I don't think that they, I don't, I personally, and this is not, this is just me, not Jason Brashear's work. Um, I don't feel that it's like, 
138 years of shit, 138 years of utopia. Um, I feel like it's this constant, been it's such a constant tension for a long time. And that honestly, like, so the, the way that I see our incarnation, like when I talk about this hollow deck or this, like I got the message in February, we're already on the ships. And I was like, the fuck does that mean? And so I really had to integrate that for a while. But what it feels like is there's, once you get above the galactic gateway chakra, there's an aspect of yourself that is outside of the simulation. And I'm not talking about your higher self. I mean, like, like it's an interventional, like alien counterpart to you. Um, One of these creator beings. And they, the way that it looks to me is that they infuse their consciousness as a drip down into human incarnations. And so the human, and it looks like a vertical drip line, the human incarnation that is the closest, like the most immediate to them has the most of their consciousness. And the the next drip has a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And that's how I've come to understand NPCs that really there are some people who are animated by very little, like higher consciousness from outside of the simulation. And so they're the ones where you can like talk to your blue in the face and it doesn't seem to make a difference. They just don't have, they don't have that. And it's not because they're inferior. I'm literally just talking about avatars. Like I'm not talking about souls. Um, or their value or anything like that. But it's like their avatar just is not animated by very much outside of the simulation consciousness. And so um, I feel like what we're experiencing right now is, and this does tie in a lot with like Dolores Cannon stuff and whatever, but it, it really resonates with me as I look around and the people that come into my field that I interact with, I'm like, man, like we, we really brought a big part of our creator selves in like a really big part. Like we are like the immediate drip down and that's not usually how it works. Like we brought in a way bigger percentage of our, our higher dimensional consciousness into this. And it's because like, so that we can recode the simulation from the inside out. It's kind of like from the outside in, we're very limited on what we can do because we can't it's like trying to wake somebody up who's sleepwalking, like literally sleepwalking. Like the the guidance is that you can't, you shouldn't wake them up. It's way too traumatic. It, fra- it fragments their perception so much because they're so engrossed in this dream. And then you just wake them up and they're like traumatized by it, right? And so it's kind of like from the outside, like we cannot wake everybody up. We can't drastically change apart from resets. We can't drastically change the the direction that the simulation is headed and basically the coding of the simulation like the 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 written code as it were we can't change it from the outside um in a way that really sticks so we've had to come back in with this higher level of consciousness and figure it out and like you know decondition from all the shit you inherit when you come into a human form and then hopefully remember ourselves and our mission and from there start like noticing the patterns and rewriting the simulation so that we kind of um 
we gain it back. So it's not constantly stuck in this, like this deadlock of tension where it's, it's like, oh yeah. I mean, we remember how this works and we can just do it. And it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, but I feel like ultimately, I mean, I also got these crazy transmissions, Brandon, about, being called to do grid work on specific places of the earth, 12 people coming together. Well, it's technically 13. It feels like 12 women and one man, um, but I don't think that really matters. That's just how it was shown to me. And we all have specific roles and we're supposed to open portals and stargates, allowing other dimensional beings into this simulation that were previously kind of like trapped out of it and um, ushering consciousness out that's ready to leave because it does feel to me like kind of the shitty thing is that using the ant analogy again it's like okay we flood the ant hills whatever they're just gonna like more ants will be born it's fine but it's like the consciousness of the ants never got out of the realm they're just stuck in this fishbowl um just continually coming back as ants they never get a chance to choose something different and this is supposed to be a realm of free will so you're supposed to be able to get the fuck out when you're ready when you want to and kind of the way it's almost like they the, the archons figured out a way to prevent consciousness from leaving so that they could like have this thing that they control and that they have fun in and and our faction is like, no, dude, that's immoral. We can't do that anymore. But you are not interested in negotiating. So we're just going to like come in on the sly. You're not going to know that we're here. And we're going to like, you know, be these undercover interdimensional beings posing as humans for a long time. And then we're going to remember who we are. We're going to remember how to rewrite the simulation so that you can't have control over that anymore. And so that consciousness that's ready to leave can leave and consciousness that wants to come in can come in. Yeah. This is the matrix rewritten. I mean, it, this is, this is what's so interesting about the the matrix story anyways, because it seems to kind of keep reaffirming itself in, in our observation of this reality. And so in the way that you're describing this, that, that makes the most damn sense to me, to be honest with you. I mean, this, this does, it feels like that this is just a place in, there are certain rules here, there are certain things and guidelines and we all, we've all kind of come to this conclusion, but I like yours because it more mimics the organic simulation that I'm a big fan of. I know Mark Steves talks about this, that it's more of an organic simulation rather than a technological one, like framed in the, in the movie, the matrix, but in this way, it operates the same. And even at a level, like we've talked about this on the show quite a bit, even at a level, uh, spirituality and science are meeting at this point, And it all stemmed from the conceptualization of sort of a, it started with, um, unity consciousness, of course. And then from there, science kind of caught up whenever they were talking about a simulation. And so at a level, of course, an architect of a simulation or a god would be imperceivable. So in the way that you're describing this, this is much more akin to something now less technological that I'm a big fan of, but also still viewing it technologically through our perspective, because that's just simpler. Uh, and it seems like a very interesting perspective. I, I actually really like the way that you articulated that. So of course, thank you. Now, it's something that you said about the vortex points and that you guys need to go open energy grids and vortexes and vortices and things here to bring things in from other dimensions. 
you know, this could be part of like what, again, back to the UFO phenomena, that that's what these entities are able to do. They're actually outside of the simulation, but they pop in, they put their little UFO guy suits on, they put their gray suits on, and then they come in in those avatars, and then they manipulate things around here, do certain tasks, and they seem to really go under the radar. Uh, and it seems like, you know, the governments of the world won't tell you what's really going on, and perhaps it is some sort of amazing benevolent, benevolent sort of um, upgrade, you know, sort of a thing. And also with this, uh, I wanted to touch on CERN before we go. I know you need to run, but uh, CERN, just real quick. So CERN is attempting, you know, this is, of course, in, right outside Geneva. Uh, they kicked it on in 2012, and that's where we get all these Mandela effects from uh, back in 2016 as well. And then now they are planning to kick it on here in just a couple of days. Hopefully this will come out uh, just after that on the 5th and uh, open, you know, a portal, which they say that they're just doing, you know, um, just for kicks, just for shits and shits and gigs over there. You know, Uh, there's a lot of people, though, that think that that's a 3D kind of version of what we're talking about here. That's a 3D attempt to bring entities in from another place. I've also heard that they've figured out which timeline the Illuminati is ruling. And so they're going to collapse us into that one. I, I mean, who knows with all this stuff, but it's also though interesting that as that's occurring and that CERN, you know, is about to start kicking back up and open a portal to bring something in from another dimension that you and several others have been called to go to these vortices and places of power on earth and call in something from another dimension as well. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, if CERN calls in a bunch of like beasts and uh, minotaurs and shit like that, and then you guys call in a bunch of phoenixes and cool light beings and stuff, we might get a pretty dragons. cool show. <laughs> dragons, absolutely dragons. And, you know, the ones that are left over, they'll fall on the ground and people will call them Tyrannosaurus Rexes in a few million years when they dig them up. It, it's just interesting to me, this whole kind of idea, this this energy exchange, and that it's so necessary for us to perturb the laws of physics in ways that we don't that I don't understand in in ways that science can manipulate but then also light workers can just walk outside touch a part on their forehead and then open a portal and then <laughs> boom there you go you know it's it's so cool how this stuff works out so what are your thoughts on CERN uh, on the 5th do you think we have anything to be concerned about I know part of the advice that I've been hearing is don't drink on the 4th it's a big holiday weekend mm. of course in the states and you're going to go out you're going to lower your vibe and CERN's going to snatch up as many of you poor sons of bitches as they can when that thing kicks on the next day back to what you were saying about trying to hang on to as many pieces of consciousness as they can so a lot of the things you're talking about right now is a lot of research i've been doing you know as of immediately late like as of yesterday i'm looking into this stuff so what do you what are your thoughts on that to be honest i didn't even know about the whole certain thing until literally yesterday either um and my immediate feeling about it was that like every time they are trying to open portals and the the reason being, I think, is because Gaia is gone. And so this simulation is, now I know that can sound really confusing because it's like, well, we're here and you're saying it's a simulation, but there was a Gaia, like what the fuck? I think that um, the way it kind of shows itself to me is that Gaia is also she, like, she is a consciousness, she is a creator being, and she had the desire to be a realm to like have that whole experience. And it sounds to us, it sounds like a very passive, like what you just want to be a planet and everything is on you and like harvesting your minerals and whatever. But to me, it feels like it's very, um, there's a level of her consciousness that we can't understand the same way one of our cells can't understand the level of our consciousness. And so I believe that she, um, like I said, like she's, she, when I say she's gone, like she left her 3d 
form behind and she's now at like feels like she's resonating between 5d and the 7d realm that's where she is and so i see her as a unique consciousness that similarly is on a holodeck similarly plugged into the simulation it is an organic simulation it's not a nefarious one like on the matrix and she's like well i'm done with this game so i'm leaving which means that there is like we here can't subsist off of her consciousness anymore and so i believe that the archons um or the elite or whatever we want to call them they kind of know that this is a this this particular realm is a dying realm like the simulation has to move somewhere else because the consciousness that animates it is gone and we're kind of just in the echoes of that and so they're trying to move to a new route. Like basically I think they want to get to where she's gone, but they don't want to have to, they don't want to have to pass through the heart portal. They don't want to pay the tab of feeling literally everything that we have created here. That's what I see as like, um, you know, when, when it's said that Jesus died for our sins, I believe that if Jesus was one man, I'm not sure, but I kind of think he was. But I believe that he came and he felt everything that had been created here. Like he experienced it kind of like when people refer to life reviews, it's like, oh, like everything flashes before your eyes. But what people aren't talking about the images, they're talking about feeling the everything. And so I think that um, Jesus came and felt everything that was created in this realm and cleared it out cleared all of that um emotional feeling imprint out so that we could create something new and then we just kind of whatever fucked it up again um but i believe that they want out too but they're like i don't want to feel that shit <laughs> no way i flooded all those anthills yeah. like, i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to do that um so i think they're trying to artificially open portals to to leave and get to that other place that Gaia's consciousness is gone so they can carry on with what they're doing. That's just my beat on it. And it's two, two, two here. So that obviously means that's a hundred percent true. Perfect. Uh, I love the it. Clock and then, doesn't lie. The clock does not lie. No, it's not made up in, at all and could not be off at all. Uh, but that's another interesting one. Set a timer for 24 hours at midnight uh, tonight and then see if it's, if it completes the 24 hours in 24 hours. That's another thing that you can tell if CERN's screwing with things. Ooh. Also take pictures of all the things that you loved as a child because they're about to be completely corrupted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like maybe Fern Gully was never a thing in the new reality, and that's how we'll know. But we all know Fern Gully was I one of the greatest movies of our childhood. I know. Uh, well, okay. Well, on this one, Amy, I'm gonna let you run because this has just been amazing. I know you gotta go. Um, thank you so much. Of course, all the ways, guys, to find her located down in the show notes, Amy. It's always so damn cool to talk to you. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I love you. You gotta come back on my show. Deal. Anytime. Thank you, Brandon. Love you so much. Every time I talk to Amy, I feel better, and this is no exception. She always shoots us up to the next level, and I know that you guys collectively feel this as well because you've written it and told me that. So all of the ways to find Amy and her amazing new book, The Priestess Transmissions, will be located down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, again, thank you so much, Amy. This is incredible. You just always blow my mind. Every time we talk, I'm like, okay, well, I need you know, 50 more episodes before I can have you back on because there's so much to unpack in these conversations, which is wonderful. 
So again, guys, all the ways to find her located in the show notes as well as our resource links. Check out Food Forest Opus. All the gang is down there. Check those out because those are wonderful resources for y'all as well. Also really want to point y'all to expandingrealitypodcast.com. We're making some shifts in the show. All of it's moving over to Expansive Insider. So go check that thing out. You're missing out and you are definitely missing out on a wonderful really really damn cool community over there so go check it out guys there's bonus episodes there's all sorts of shit so um go out into this incredible place whatever the hell this thing is y'all pick up a piece of litter be nice to everybody that you come across uh, of course hold doors open if you have the opportunity to do that buy somebody in line a coffee a meal something real small like that but it makes a massive difference to them if you have again the opportunity to do that also uh you know get out of the left hand lanes that's a huge pain in the ass you got somebody wanting to pass there behind you just move on over they'll get out of your way and then you can go back to doing what you were doing there but above all and anything else guys go out into this incredibly magical place whatever the hell it is and y'all just be good to one another thank you so much for listening for watching for engaging and for being aligned we'll see you next time